on today's episode of the Engaging Marketeer, I'm going to do something a little bit strange, a little bit unusual. Uh, I'm actually going to share a recording of a previous interview, but it's not a previous podcast from the Engaging Marketeer. It's from a clubhouse room that I guested in a couple of weeks ago. I was invited by one of our clients, Sunil Popat, to appear in their clubhouse room for We Talk Property where I was interviewed by a number of property investors and property experts on digital marketing for the property sector, because that's something we do a lot at at EngageWeb. So this Clubhouse room was recorded. uh, It was available on Clubhouse as well. So one of our our clients, one of the moderators of the room, Julie Hogbin, is they're absolutely fine to share this as, as a podcast. Um, so please check this out. Please check out the, the Clubhouse room, We Talk Property. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic for anybody in the property industry that wants to learn more about different strategies of property. There's some amazing experts in there that know a lot about the industry. And this was me being interviewed by them uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've just realized, Darren, I know Darren. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I hadn't even put two and two together when we were talking about when you were talking about it yesterday. But Darren, we we know each other very well. Morning, Darren. How are you? Good morning, Dave. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, buddy. I'm very well. I didn't even put two and two together. Your name's on there. I can't believe that. I didn't even know it was you. <laughs> so your universe has just got a lot smaller then. <laughs> Hope you're well, buddy. I am, mate. How are yeah, you? I'm really, really good. Thanks. Good to see you. Good. I did give you a lot of information yesterday, Dave, so, or, or the day before, uh, or what, last week as well. We, we'd arranged this about a month ago uh, because of Darren's movements. So it's quite good that he, you know, he sort of gave me the date of the 18th and he said, yes, I can be there on a Tuesday, but not a Thursday. Um, but yeah, how, how do you know each other? Darren, um, well, we've known each other for years. Um, but Darren built my first website for, for my SA business years ago. Oh, and my training business. It still runs it today, actually. Yeah, just just the two websites, though. Just, just, the, just two. the two. Just the two. <laughs> there you go, silence. Don't know why I went. <laughs> I said everyone's gone silent after that, Darren. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. I was, I was talking. Did, and, did a know, great yeah. did a great job of it as well, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Brilliant. very much. Morning, Emmanuel, Mark, Julie. Hope you're both all well. Well, not both. All three of you are well. Good morning. Morning. Good to see you here. Um, Julie doesn't normally come on a Tuesday or she doesn't join the room on a Tuesday. Monday and Friday's great contribution, but she's here for you to this morning, Darren, because I know you work with her as well. We do indeed, yes. I've known Julie for quite a while. See Julie every month. Brilliant. Yeah, we're on on one of the same masterminds and... um... Yep, Darren and his team are doing my website at the moment, and I have to say, it's a delight to be interacting with people who actually respond when they're building a website for you. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you the smile it brings to my face. <laughs> You're always a very smiley person anyway, Julie. I, I can't imagine you smiling any more than normal. Oh, I do when it comes to websites. You have no idea. Oh, <laughs> There's a lot of rogues out there, Darren, that say they build websites and they don't. There are indeed, yeah, unfortunately. Our industry is not very, very well respected. No, and yeah, when you find somebody that actually is doing a professional job, it's it's such a joy. So, um, in advance, thank you. Oh, thank you very much, Julian. I really appreciate that. Um, and pass those thanks on to your team as well. I will indeed. I will indeed. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Brilliant. Thank you. And likewise, Darren, uh, I echo everything that Julie's just said. Um, you've you know, done one for a, a site for us and you're working on the second one of your team is and um, excellent in, in what they're doing. Um, but we thought we'd get to know you a little bit this morning and uh, it seems like you know a lot of the panel uh, anyway um, and you probably know people in the audience as well. But um, do you want to tell us just something about yourself and then we can have a conversation around um, you know, your past, what you're doing and, you know, talk about social media and digital marketing and websites. Yeah, absolutely. Thank um, you. I, I've, I've, I've been running Engage Web now. Uh, how long has it been? Since 2009. So it's, it seems forever, really. Particularly in our industry, as most digital marketing companies have a two-year burn before they, they go out of business. So we've done all right to be here since then. Uh, we work with Businesses ranging from startups to our largest business being a global franchisor, and we look after the franchisees for them in four countries, including the, the UK and the, the US. We do quite a lot within the property industry, uh, working for, as, as Dave and Julie have just mentioned, property investors, property developers, lettings agents like yourself. Um, we also work for trades that work within the property sector, such as electricians, plumbers, carpet fitters, carpet cleaners, that sort of thing. And also the financial side as well. We've done a credible amount with mortgage brokers and a mortgage broker trainer, which trains people to be mortgage brokers in the UK. So we, we handle everything from the, the initial startup of the, the website, the design, the build, the hosting, writing the content for the client as well. Because most clients, as I know, find the most difficult thing in web design in my 20 plus years experience is getting content from the client. Nobody wants to write their own content. They would rather run their business than write about what they do, so we do it for them. Uh, if, a web, if a client has a website already, we help them get more business through it. So we do the marketing, we do the search engine optimization, the content, the social media, the Google ads, the Facebook ads, whatever is required to get them the results that they need for their, for their business. And that's pretty much where we are, we are now. So Darren, how did you start? I mean, you said you started the business a while back. How did you start that? And um, what about property? Any property background, or are you just interested in helping property people? That's uh, a good question. I, I started in digital marketing by mistake, as, as most people in my industry tend to do. I wanted to be a film director. Uh, Julie knows this story. I, I, I used to go, I went to film school. Uh, I went to, I, I created a film within film school, I went to Cannes Film Festival, made a, uh, a film script that we tried to get funding on. Nothing really came of that, but the websites I was building while we were doing that along the way to help promote the film seemed to come naturally to me, seemed to come easy to me. And as a result of the work I was doing online, I got found by a marketing manager for the company called Game uh, Electronics Boutique back then, as you, you may have heard of Game Electronics Boutique in the UK and they hired me to be their web designer. So I ran their website for something like three odd years back in the early 2000s before leaving to work for different agencies around the UK, eventually finding myself in, in Manchester working for a digital marketing agency, I like to say will not be named, because they did things the really bad way. Julie mentioned there's a lot of rogues in the industry, and there are, I've, I've worked for one of them, um, and they were doing things that Google has always said you shouldn't be doing that's bad for the client, that's bad for the, the future of a client's website. And while it would get short-term results, it would get long-term destruction for the client. Because when Google finds out what you're doing, it's going to penalize you. 
And there was this big, big Google update without getting too technical or boring about digital marketing. There was this big update back in 2012 where Google identified all the really dodgy link building tactics that these companies were doing and penalized all of the websites that were doing them. And this company I used to work for is no longer in existence as a result of that. Clients lost their rankings overnight. We set up Engage Web to help clients do things the right way because we were so dissatisfied with the way things were working there. Originally, we were working for other agencies creating content. So clients would come to a big marketing agency because Engage Web was far too small for them, and they'd pay the big marketing agency a lot of money to do their digital marketing for them, and they would outsource it to us, and we'd end up doing it for less money, and the client was very happy because they had a big brand that was doing their marketing for them. Uh, we had one incident actually where a high street chain contacted us direct and asked us about doing the marketing for them. They decided we were too small. They went for a huge company in the Northwest. We ended up doing it anyway, but they were paying more money than we'd have charged them, and we were getting less money than we'd have charged them. So that's the way that works. Um, in terms of property, so I know um, I've been in property myself since 2012, I think it is, with buy to -lets. Uh, I've got buy to -lets dotted around the country because I tend to buy houses and then not sell them. It's almost like a, a collecting habit I've got, um, which means I work with three different letting agents personally, which is annoying. Uh, so I see a lot of the bad things that letting agents do. I've got some horrific horror stories, actually, of a recent letting agent, but I won't go into that now because I don't want to frighten anybody that is into property. Uh, and we've also bought our own commercial building up here in the northwest for our business because we were in a rented building for many, many years. It was very cheap, very uh, economic, but it didn't allow for growth. So we've bought a two-story building, which allows for, I think, eventually we could get maybe 30 people in here if we wanted to expand that far. Fantastic. We'll come on to the, um, the digital marketing and that. And if you could just in a minute explain the difference between digital marketing and social media and things like that, that'd be great. But could you tell us just about your first property transaction, the one that you brought, uh, your first one, and probably, and also about your, your offices, uh, hmm. your commercial transaction? Please. Yep, sure, Mike. Well, the first property transaction, as a lot of people that are in this, I imagine, was accidental. You know, I am the, the epitome of the accidental landlord. It was brought about through divorce. Um, it's a three-story property in South Wales, and I don't like to sell things. My brother always taught me never to sell property, always to keep hold of it, because it always goes up in value in the long term, and he was right. He owned about 30 properties in Swansea at one point. Um, and it's just something I, I, I kind of say I fell into it because it was of a divorce and I held on to it. I did another one in Manchester and held on to that as well. My first actual intentional property investment was when we formed a limited company to do this and bought buy to lets in Ellesmere Port using profits from Engage Web. So we set up a separate business. We loaned money from Engage Web to this separate business to invest in buy-to-let properties around the area in which we're in, which obviously is much more convenient being close to where you, you are than being halfway around the country because I've got stuff in Manchester and I've got stuff in South Wales, which is absolutely nowhere near where I am right now, which, which is a nightmare, which is why I'm relying on three different letting agents. So we are looking at the moment of also investing in a a foreign property, which is a completely different um, different venture, something that we're going to need to do a lot of research in. I don't know if anybody in the panel has any experience in, in foreign properties, because that would be interesting to hear about. Uh, that's something we're going to be doing next year when we've raised finance from other properties to do this. Um, what was the other question, Sonal? I completely got lost at the track there. 
No, I think you're very good because you, you did go back and answer the the questions about the property, your first property. I just wondered how many times you've been divorced, but you know, that was a separate thing. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's uh, one at the moment, Sonna, one at the moment, but I'm, <laughs> I'm working on the next one if I, I don't stop buying stuff. Uh, so, and, and the other one was your commercial, your offices. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, we, oh, do you know, we had this great opportunity years ago to buy a commercial building on the same site we are right now. And it was something like 120 grand, I think it was. But we weren't certain if it was the right move because it's a big investment to make buying your own building. And it, it basically says that I'm tying myself into my business for at least the next five years. If anything goes wrong, I'm personally liable for this. Uh, and we decided not to do it. And that was the biggest mistake we've made. We should have done that five, six years ago because it would have been all paid off by now and we'd have been sitting pretty. Eventually, we decided we are going to make this move because we cannot expand within the, the business centre that we were in. We have taken up two separate offices within it. There was no unit big enough for us and we needed to grow the business. We needed more people in. As, as Julie says, we've got quite a few people working here. So when we work on websites, I personally don't do it myself. We've got two web designers in the building that are both better than me. That's one of the key things I, I tell everybody about business. It's about hiring people who are better than you, not people who are as good as or inferior. You want people better. They're better than me. They're here. We wouldn't have been able to do that if we hadn't bought this commercial building. So we took the step of doing it through, and, and I didn't deal with the paperwork, so I'm not an expert on this. Uh, it was bought through a it was bought through a pension. It was a was it a SAS pension? I think it was. Um, so the pension company owns oh sorry our the our company owns the building but engage web then rents the building off the company that owns the building which is owned by us if that makes sense to you so the whole thing bought through a pension which made it more tax efficient so effectively when we're paying our rents and when we're paying into our pension we're paying into the building so we're paying ourselves which works out really well amazing i think you need to come back one day and just talk about property <laughs> uh, because you know you really resonate with me about buying and holding and not selling uh, and all of those things um and this the, the pension uh, commercial property through pension that you've just talked mm. about emmanuel's <clears throat> emmanuel's really big on that and he's, he's uh, been sort of um doing additional training in order to help people with that as well um so yeah and letting agents as well. I think, you know, you have a lot of experience there. So mm. I'm sure you'd, you'd come back. But talking about digital marketing, social media, uh, did you want to give us a distinction between the two, please? Yeah, well, digital marketing is kind of a, an all-encompassing term that covers everything from building a website to performing organic social media and paid social media and paid ads. Anything essentially that is done online in a digital world is digital marketing. Um, that doesn't just mean websites. Uh, when I was at Game, for example, digital started to spread out into a lot of different platforms. So we had, if anybody's old enough to remember this and had Sky back in the old days, there was something called uh, Open on digital television. Uh, which had adverts on TV with these two old ladies going, just press the button, showing how easy it was to use open. So it was essentially buying through the television because they thought that was going to be the next big channel. That was going to be bigger than the internet. So that's digital marketing. Uh, that never really caught off because smartphones came in and people were buying online through the smartphones and not buying through the television. So it was a bit of a dead, dead venture. Um, but digital marketing is an all-encompassing term. So social media would be platforms such as LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, 
uh, Instagram, Vine, Vine's dead. Why did I say Vine? That shows how old I am. Nobody knows Vine anymore. Those sort of things um, where you are posting and creating an organic following. Uh, so when I say organic, I mean you're not paying. So you're not paying for an ad, you're not paying for promotion. Uh, but obviously, each of those platforms then has a paid option where you can invest money into it to increase your reach or increase the goals that you are looking to achieve, whether that's to get more followers or to get more clicks through to a website or to get more inquiries or to get more sales. So all of that comes under the banner of digital marketing. And all of that is stuff that we do for clients to increase their whatever their goal actually is. Because some clients come to us and they want leads. For example, uh, we work with a letting agent in the Northwest who wants investors and they want property owners who are dissatisfied with their current agents, which is a lot, surprisingly, is a lot. Um, so that's their goal. Uh, we also work with retail clients, and their goal is to increase the sales across the websites uh, or possibly to increase the order value on the sales. So it's not just necessarily about getting another sale. It's about getting additional sales because if the order value goes up, then your return on investment goes up. All of this comes under, under digital marketing. Brilliant. Thank you. And I'll put a link at the top where, with the website that you did for us recently. Uh, and it's only been out about two or three months. Um, so so thank you for that. If anybody wants to have a look, I'll, I'll change the link in a bit to uh, another one um, that you've done as well. So that it gives people an idea. Um, if, if anybody on the panel wants to come in, please do so at any stage. I'm happy for you to come in at any time. OK. Um, Trish? Yeah, I'd quite like to hear about your um, disaster with the agent, Dan. It's good for people to hear these real stories, because this does happen, um, and we don't like to pretend it doesn't on this panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mind. sure. If, yeah, if, if, if someone's happy with that, it's not strictly well, look, digital marketing. I don't know if you, I mean, yeah, you can do it very quickly, but I didn't know if you wanted to come back one day and, and then do property as well, because you've got a great property story there. Uh, but if you want to, um, yeah, I, 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 I can do, I can do that quickly. Exactly, it, it does. Co it covers business as well, actually. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I, I've got one property in South Wales, which is a three-story, four-bed house. Uh, it's in an area called Cumbran. Uh, some of you may be familiar with that. So it's just outside Newport, right next to the Celtic Manor Resort. So if I didn't have tenants in it, it would be great for SA. Um, it's be, it was with an agent for years that I liked, and I really liked the letting agent. The guy was really responsive, and he, he dealt with issues very, very quickly, and he would phone me no matter what time of day it was, and he would deal with it. I liked him. Their company, unfortunately, was bought out by a bigger agent. So this bigger agent who works across South Wales bought the portfolio of this smaller agent. Now, we've helped letting agents do this ourselves, buy portfolios. And when you're buying an agent's portfolio things you want to do are make sure that everybody is on the right contract that's legal and make sure that the tenants are paying suitable rents so that you are maximizing the portfolio. This agent didn't do that. They completely ignored any of that. So a few years ago, I needed to refinance this property. Uh, sorry, I needed to refinance another property and, the, and the, le the lender wanted to know that I was getting rents from all the other properties and make sure they were accurate. So I needed to get the contract off this agent that the tenants had signed. They didn't have it. They couldn't find it. They had no record of the contract. They had to get a copy of the contract from the tenant, photocopied and sent to them. And this took about six weeks for me to get. So it was holding up the finance of a property and doing this. And I thought this was disgraceful. They didn't even have a copy of the contract. 
And I thought this would be a wake-up call for them when I had to drive down to Newport in, in, and go into their office and basically shout at them for not having this. But when I needed to refinance this exact property myself a couple of months ago, they still didn't have any details of the property. When I phoned them up, they didn't know how many bedrooms it was. They didn't know the names of the tenants who were in it. And the shocking thing was I got a valuation on the property because the lender obviously wanted to know in terms of purchase and rental capacity. It was £400 per month under the market value, what they were paying in rent. And the agent hadn't done anything with it uh, other than increase the rent by £25 in nine years. Nine years. So it should have been earning £925 a month. And it was, in fact, taking something like £525 a month, which made it very difficult for me to do something with, with the tenants. So when I approached the agent about this and asked them, why haven't you done anything about it? The agent actually said to me, and I quote, it's not our responsibility to suggest a rent review. It's up to our landlords to come to us and say if they want one. I moved that to another agent, a, a decent agent who is the same branch of an agent that manages stuff we've got in the Wirral called Northwood, Northwood Lettings. Um, they dealt with all of the problems that were there. They've handled the rent increase, which obviously was a very difficult thing to do for a, a tenant to go from 525 up to, I think at the moment it's going to be 750 and then 825 six months later. Very difficult to handle, but they've managed to do it. They also found out that the deposit wasn't protected which left me liable had something happened. So these are the problems that happen with letting agents, and they blamed the whole lot on the previous company they'd bought out, the portfolio they'd bought out, because they didn't do anything with it. I do not understand for the life of me why anybody would buy a business, would acquire a business, and then just let it sit there and not touch it. If you're investing in it, you want to maximize the, 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 the money you're making from it. At least make sure that it's legal, and they didn't do any of that. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. And I can hear it in your tone, you know, uh, that it must have been a frustrating, very stressful time. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so did you take legal action or did you decide not to take legal action? Or? I, I didn't because I've got too much going on right now. But I was bloody close, let me tell you, because when I told them I was moving to another agent, they actually said to me, well, you are in a six month contract, so we can't let you out for six months. And I told them, you bloody well let me out right now and pray I don't take this any further. He phoned me back five minutes later, said, I've spoken to the boss and he said he's going to let you out now. Damn right he's going to. Yeah, I mean, if people want to give notice, they want to go, we let them go. And, you know, it's happened to us a few times when we've let people go, they've come back. They've come back a year later and said, yeah, we'd like to use your services again mm. because it's the way we let them, you know, not get into disputes or anything like that. But no, it's a great share. Thank you, Trish, for, for, for um, sort of focusing on that and bringing that up because I think it, it really gives people an insight and we'll, you know, do more on letting agents or what you need to look for with letting agents maybe another day. Trish, was there anything that you wanted to follow up on? And Anthony, Anthony's in Wales, so he's, um, he, he, yeah, Trish, Anthony, and then thanks, Craig. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Darren. I've just, I'm, I'm, start again. <laughs> My letting agent has just bought out another letting agent, and I've noticed a swing from 
landlord focused to tenant focused services and yeah i'm not very happy so uh, yeah i was very interested to hear that thank you brilliant anthony uh you're going to come in this is our welsh yeah, consensus here and with mark yeah so i, I know the area you're in uh, darren uh, in fact i'm there tomorrow um but I, i'm going to bring you back actually to digital marketing so at the moment if you if, you look at social or social medium of, of the digital marketing. There are lots of platforms these days. You know, in the old days, there wasn't much. And I remember the old days of WAP, for instance. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, social media, if you look at Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, etc. What's your advice to people in that? Do you go on all of these platforms? Do you concentrate on one or two? What, what's your view on that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... It's always good to look at new platforms that are coming out so that you can be first on what is going to be the, the next big thing. So if a new platform emerges, try it out. Have a look at it. Don't ignore it. Don't leave it too long. Uh, I personally left TikTok far too long because I thought that's not me. I don't want to do that. And there's probably a few people in this room right now that are thinking, I'm not touching TikTok. I'm not doing a stupid dance. But I went on TikTok probably two months ago and I've already had just under a million views on videos on TikTok. And I haven't done one silly dance. One silly dance. It's about giving people information that they want to know that is entertaining. Um, so try out a new platform. Don't be afraid of it because you think it might not be for you. But in terms of placing your effort on platforms that, to grow a business, you really want to be looking at where your target market is. So... I speak to a lot of businesses who say they don't like Facebook. They don't want to use Facebook. I don't use it personally. It's not for me. It's just a load of people complaining. It's rubbish. But if your target audience is on Facebook, then it's something you're going to have to use. Um, we've got a carpet, uh, carpet fitter as a client, for example, and, and he refuses to do it. But it's where his audience is. It's where people are looking for carpet fitters. So it's something you're going to have to do. So the best thing to do is to look at who your target market is, who is your audience, who are you trying to look at, where are they hanging out, where are they spending their time. And it could be Clubhouse, it could be Instagram, it could be LinkedIn, it could be TikTok. Most likely it's Facebook, because the, the, the criticism I hear the most is that my clients aren't on Facebook. My clients don't use Facebook. I'm looking for property investors. They don't use Facebook. Well, they do. 1.8 billion people use Facebook every single day across the world. 1.8 billion. That's like a quarter of the planet. So your audience, whoever they are, are on Facebook. It's just a matter of targeting them properly. And, and one of the things that we've done, because of my experience with letting agents, and I know a lot of the horror stories that, the, that they actually do, we're working with a, a particular agent in the Northwest on getting new property investors for them. So they want property investors and they want landlords who are dissatisfied with their agents. And because we know what the typical landlord is and we know the problems that agents have, we're able to create the content for the ads that talk about the issues that, that uh, landlords are having. And if you can relate those issues in the ad copy and in the imagery and in the landing page that comes through, the landlord seeing those that are having problems with the agent like, like Trish just mentioned, um, is your agent becoming too tenant-focused? Are you finding they're switching their attention from you to the tenants? Yes, they are. You're able to reflect that within the ads. That resonates within the agent, which gets the inquiries. So we, 
a Facebook ad we've been running, for example, had one inquiry come through for this this letting agent from a property investor who has, forgive me the specifics on this, I think it was 13 properties he's got already that he wants to move from one agent to another to this new one, which he's done now. And he's also investing in a further 13 properties over the next six to 12 months. Now that one lead alone pays for their Facebook ads for the next 10 years and beyond, because it's obviously it's recurring income once they get him as well. But the real funny thing is this guy's actually bought one of our houses uh, that we were selling up. So that worked really well for us as well. Brilliant. And yeah, no, I was going to say, Darren, I, I totally agree with the getting on early. I, I, I'm not a TikTok person, and I, I know I should look at it. Um, but I know Clubhouse, for instance, it was great getting on in the in the early days, so I can uh, resonate with that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't TikTok, and I, I'm not. I'm still not. But the results you can get with with video on TikTok far exceed anything you can get on Instagram Reels, for example. Far exceed. Uh I did this in a presentation a while back. We had the same video I put on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So Facebook Reels and Instagram Reels. And it was something like 16,000 views on Instagram Reels and over half a million on TikTok for exactly the same content. And Darren, on on that point where you're obviously on multiple platforms and most of us are, what's your view on um, scheduling software? That's a good question. Yeah, we don't personally use scheduling software uh, because I believe it throttles the reach. Um, We have done tests with this and found that it it has. I know some people say that it doesn't and they swear by it. So a lot of people use Hootsuite and think it's God's gift to social media. I personally don't like to use it. I like to do everything organically or using this inbuilt scheduling of the software itself. So Facebook has an inbuilt scheduling platform. Instagram has an inbuilt scheduling platform if you use Facebook's Creator Suite. So you can actually schedule through Instagram using Creator Suite. Um, LinkedIn is trialing scheduling now, and that should be coming in very soon, so long as Microsoft doesn't mess it up in a big way. Um, But it also helps, of course, because I've just come back from Orlando for two weeks. Uh, landed Saturday morning, went, sorry, Sunday morning, it felt like Saturday, landed Sunday morning, went straight out to Anfield to watch Liverpool smash Man City result, get in Mo Salah. Um, but the whole time I was in Orlando, I was still posting on social media using my team. So they were posting and we were getting leads through social media as a result of it. So we've got guys in the office that are able to follow these up because stuff's coming in, because stuff's being consistent on social media. So if you've got a team that can do this for you, it is the best way to do it. Now, if you don't have a team, you can use a virtual assistant, a VA. And there are a lot of really good VAs out there that can do this. I know Dave Goodfellow's got a really good one that he uses um, that can handle this social media for you. It's about being consistent on it and doing it on a regular basis because the more people are seeing you posting about what you know about, the more they'll say, oh, yes, I need that. And that person I've seen constantly talking about this, they're the one that's going to be able to help me. So the leads will come in. It's not a... If you've got something you want to fill, an event, if you've got an investment you're looking for investors for, and then you decide, right, I want that, so I post on LinkedIn once in two weeks, that's not going to work. That's never going to work. It's about the consistency. It's about seeing it again and again and again. It doesn't have to be you doing it. It can be somebody else doing it on your behalf. 
But scheduling isn't something, using external scheduling software isn't something we like to use because I think it causes too much problems. So, Darren, question then. So social yes. media, the, the world of social media. <laughs> yeah. And how it works and, you know, is there a secret source? <laughs> um, yes. Yes, there can is. Can you tell us that secret Would you like, source? Right can, now, can I tell you? <laughs> you, can buy it, you can buy it right here. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Rob Moore knows this secret source, and Rob Moore talks about it all the time, so it's not that secret. Um, the key is if you want people to engage with you and see what you do, they need to be engaged with. So if you're just going on LinkedIn and you're posting, 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 that's not really going to work. You need to be engaging with the people that you want to be integrating with, you want to be interacting with. So you comment on their posts, you like their posts, they see what you're posting. If they're replying to you, they're commenting on yours, they're more likely to see what you post in their feed. It's the same with Facebook. If you just go on Facebook and post, post, post and don't interact with anybody, you're just shouting into a vacuum. You need to be engaging. You need to be seen to be interacting. You need to go into groups and help other people. The more you help other people, the more they'll see you. The more you'll be able to make connections with them because they will know who you are, they'll be familiar with you. It's about giving value and helping people rather than just going out there and preaching because that doesn't work. It's like those people on LinkedIn, and we, we've all had it. You'll get a connection request from somebody, you'll accept the request, and then within 30 seconds, you'll get a templated pitch from them for their services. Waste of time. Absolute waste of time. Best way to do it, if you've got somebody you want to connect with, it might be an investor, it might be a letting agent, it might be a property mentor, whoever it may be, if you start engaging with what they post before you send them a, a connection request... So you go through a period, maybe six weeks, when they post comment on it, like it, interact with it, so they're familiar with who you are. Then when you get, they get a connection request off you, they know you, they've seen you, they've interacted with you, they're more likely to accept you. And then continue that. Don't go sending them pitches. Don't go doing it that way, it doesn't work. So Darren, if you were to give um, people who are starting out on social media advice right now or thinking of you know getting into the digital space what would be kind of your three top tips that you would oh. give people brand consistency is important so if you are on trying to get into social media now you want to try to get the same username the same image, the same brand header, the same description, the same message, the same links across all of them so that people know who you are. That would be one. Um, consistency of content is important. There is no point just going out there and posting on LinkedIn and then doing nothing for two weeks, uh, posting on Facebook and doing nothing for two weeks. You need to be consistent. So the best way to do that is to pick a time that you're going to do it, whether it's once a week or once a day at a particular time, and stick to it. And don't fail. Keep doing it. Um, the next thing I'd say is that you can schedule in advance using Facebook. You can do it on, on Twitter. You can do it on Instagram. You can't do it on LinkedIn yet, but you will be able to soon, so that you don't actually have to be there 
at eight o'clock every morning doing it, unless you're doing a live, of course, in which case that you do. Um, so you can save your time by doing everything, say, on a, at a Monday morning for an hour and schedule the whole week ahead for the times that you want it to go out. There's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Be interactive. On a, keep the smartphone with you. Keep interacting with people. When somebody comments on your stuff, reply to them. Do not leave any comment, any engagement unanswered, unreplied to, because the more you interact with them, the more they'll interact with you. If they comment on something and you ignore it, it's very rude. You should always reply to people. Um, and then I think probably the, the biggest thing would be would be regarding Facebook. I went to a, a marketing event in Manchester a few years ago where the marketing manager for Budweiser UK, crap beer, great brand, the marketing manager for Budweiser UK said they'd invested millions and millions of pounds in their Facebook page for Budweiser in getting people to like the page, getting people to follow the page, because they thought it was going to be a great asset for their business. And then, as, as some of you may know, some of you may not know, Facebook started to tinker with the algorithm so that your posts on your Facebook page used to reach basically the vast majority of your followers. And then Facebook started to reduce it, so it reduced fewer followers and fewer followers, and now it hits about 4% of your followers. So when you post on your page, about 4% of your followers will see it in their feed, which is ridiculous. And the marketing manager for Budweiser said, had we known Facebook was going to do that, we wouldn't have spent any money at all on our Facebook page because it's absolutely worthless to us unless they use Facebook advertising, which obviously is why Facebook did it. They want the money. So what I would suggest is that if you want to build a brand on Facebook and build a community on Facebook, use a group. Create your own group, uh, which I know, Dave, you're doing yourself. You've, you've probably got more than one group, I imagine. Build a group, get your community in there because they are more likely to see what you do than a page. It's far more useful than a page. Don't put all your effort into a page. A group is the way forward on Facebook. Wow, Darren, I think that was more than three tips there. But thank Yeah, I got carried away, sorry. Yeah, thank you, Darren. Um, really appreciate it. Craig's just going to come in with a question as well. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, I was Craig. just going to say about the uh, in engagement part and the, the 4%. Um, all of these different social media platforms don't understand the content that you're producing. But what the software and the algorithms, it's all in the algorithms, what they notice is the number of likes, the number of comments, the, the number of shares. So when they first produce it, and I think it's similar on TikTok, because I've just been playing around with TikTok over the last couple of weeks. So when you put something up there, it goes out to a, an initial small percentage of the, the people that follow you. The, the systems then rely on, in that first hour, people liking and commenting and you commenting back on it. And then the algorithm then thinks, oh, this might be interesting. Let's promote it to a few more people. And then they then follow it over the next hour. And if more and more people comment on it, then they push it out to the wider public. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, as Darren said earlier, you should comment um, on it. It's even good if you get some of your friends say, look, I'm doing a post at 12 o'clock today. Can you start commenting on it? And I know this works on LinkedIn because there's actually a club you can join on LinkedIn where you get given a slot and the sort of 200 members in the club all talk about it um, when you do your post because it's about active promotion and uh, getting the numbers up. Um, and then you keep com commenting on any comments that people go because then it shows that you're engaged. It shows your audience are engaged. And that's how it starts going um, completely viral. 
I mean, I did a post on this um, time-lapse camera for property developers uh, on TikTok, and it's just about to hit quarter of a million views on TikTok. And I've looked on Instagram, and it's had 415 views. So the virality of TikTok is immense. But then the other question that I was going to ask earlier was about the conversion. So, you know, if you've got... Um, say, a YouTube channel where you do video content about your property stuff, you may, if you're lucky, you know, have 2,000 very motivated people who are all interested in your content, whereas TikTok is a whole load of completely random people that are interested. But it's, you know, it's the number of views times the conversion rate that will actually get to the number of people who are actually interested in your product. And TikTok, the virality is immense. So you may only have a 0.1% conversion rate, but times that by a quarter of a million views, that's an awful lot of people that are interested in your product. And this little time-lapse camera um, thing that I promoted uh, for my son who, who made a little prototype for me, he's received 10 orders just literally in just the last few days of doing, doing that video. So uh, for me, I'm going to be doing a lot more content on TikTok, which you can then promote over to Instagram because um, I see it as working very well for us. Brilliant. Excellent, Craig. Um, did you have another question with that? I mean, that's a great share, but uh, Darren's waiting for a question. But <laughs> so the question I was going to raise earlier, when you were talking about the um, the landlord, uh, the letting agent issue, um, was kind of linking the the social media side, and that's about uh, reviews. You know, people mm. can independently review you on social media and feedback. Um, so I was going to ask the question about how you monitor people's reviews and that's where I think it's very good to put a comment if somebody gives you a negative review to, to explain what the situation was behind why that person may have had a bad experience but also comment on things when somebody has a, a good review and thank them for their business. No, that, that that's a good point with reviews. Um, quite often we'll get companies come to us and say, can you do anything about a negative review on Google? Uh, I've had a negative review, can I get rid of it? And you can appeal a review on Google, but it's very, very rare Google will do anything about it. Very rare they'll remove anything. Um, unless it's got sexism, racism, hate speech or something in it, they're, they're probably not going to touch it. And to be honest with you, if you've got 55-star reviews on Google, that does look suspicious. So what I would say is don't worry about having a negative review on Google. It is expected. It is natural. But as you say, yes, replying to the reviews is important. If you are not replying to reviews, particularly a negative review, then it does look like that person's got a genuine problem and a genuine problem with you. So social media is very much about social proof and it's about how you deal with things. So stuff goes wrong. We all know stuff goes wrong. Clients are not always happy. Not everybody's as happy as Julie. Sometimes things go badly, and it's about how you deal with that that matters. So if you're a letting agent and you've got a negative review online, absolutely address it, reply to it, own up to it if it was a genuine mistake, if something went wrong, or explain what happened if, if it was a misunderstanding, because your potential clients will be looking at that and will want to know, how are they dealing with this? Why did that happen? So it's about owning the review and replying to it. Equally reply to, net, to positive reviews as well thanking them. That is important as well. People want to see that you are active, that you are responsive, and that you do reply to stuff. Because again, as a letting agent, communication is important. If you're not getting communication from the agent uh, when you're leaving them a review, what's going to be like when you're chasing them for rent? 
So absolutely, reviews should be replied to at all times. Uh, it's quite often on Facebook you will get spam reviews because they do get spammed. I noticed in the, the comments for this, um, as it was starting, there was a spam comment left in, in here immediately on the Clubhouse room. These things happen. Uh, Facebook's a little bit more responsive to dealing with stuff like that, but still not great. Still not great. But yes, you're right. Reply to reviews all the time. It is very important. Leading on from that, you then have the issue over, you know, trolls and people leaving negative comments on any of your social media posts. Mm. And it's sometimes very difficult when people leave something negative on your thing because you always want to be promoting. But this is one of the things that Rob Moore and John Lee have sort of taught us. I've done a lot of their social media stuff. Love your haters. The reason being is the algorithms, as I was saying earlier, don't know what they're talking about. They just see more engagement. So if you get somebody, you know, putting a negative comment, just reply to them. So why tell me why you think about that? They then comment back to you. The algorithms then think this must be an interesting um, post. Yeah. So love your haters because they're actually helping. Yeah, uh, effectively, what you're saying to your haters is dance, monkey, dance. Comment on it. Come on, increase my reach. Give me some more. That's exactly what I want. And, and, and you're right. That, that's the way to do it. One thing you should be careful of, though, is if you're paying for it with a Facebook ad, be careful about the negative comments on there because you're paying for people to see it. Um, so if it's a, a ridiculously stupid negative comment, it depends on how bad it goes to whether you just delete it and block the person or whether you reply to it. So I'm kind of 50-50 on ones we've had recently on ads, for example. Some I've deleted, some I've replied to and called them out. Because you don't want people to be seeing constant abuse on an ad that you're paying for people to see. Brilliant. Thank you, um, Darren. And, and some great tips there from Craig as well, so I appreciate that. Julie, um, I know you've worked with Darren, so would you like to come in before we go to Mark or uh, Mark Finance or Mark? Or, I know Mark. Um, I'm I'm happy listening to be honest, um, Sunil. I just did read Darren's profile, no. um, <laughs> and it and and you're a, a comedy winner. Have I, I not mentioned you. that, Julie? Have I not mentioned that? <laughs> I haven't heard you mention it, Darren. Have you not? Yeah. Oh. I just wanted to raise that, and I just really um, I've seen Omar's question in the chat, and he's got a good question, so. I think go go over to Omar, um, Samuel, please, and then back to the comedy. And then back to the comedy. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, let's do that, Julie. Thank you, Omar. Good morning. How are you? Hi. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Sunil, for inviting me up. Uh, Darren, really, um, I was. I, I'm, I'm really sorry. I only joined um, half, uh, halfway through the uh, the room, so I don't know whether that question was addressed already. But I was just, um, I was just wondering, um, uh, some years ago, I think it was Al Jazeera English uh, who introduced, you know, the short videos, which, uh, which had captions under, yeah. uh, usually uh, they appeared on Facebook and they used to be quite popular at the time. Um, I was just wondering whether still uh, producing content, uh, like very short videos is still the best strategy in terms of, you know, raising awareness and engagement. Um, and also uh, what do you, what do you make of YouTube? Um, how do you see it in the next five years? Because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of recommendations saying that you know you need to work on your YouTube channels because it's going to be apparently the next big thing in terms of social media channels. I hope that's clear. Thank you. Right. Um, okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, YouTube is 
I don't know whether people know this, but YouTube is actually the second biggest searched website online behind Google. Um, so when people are looking for stuff, they either go to Google or they go to YouTube. So YouTube has always been huge, always been huge. And it's big with the younger market as well. Um, whereas Facebook tends to be for, and I hate to say this because I'm classed in this as well, for the, the older generation, you know, the, the people over 30 who, who reach the end of their lives. Um, whereas YouTube is very much the younger generation. So YouTube has always been massive and it will continue to be so. Um, there are people, and I count my, my kids in this, they're aged 18 to 21, three of them. Uh, I grouped my shots early. They pretty much watch exclusively YouTube. That's what they stay on. Uh, so YouTube is huge. It's always been huge, and it, it, it will continue to be so. Um, YouTube wants longer content. It wants long content because that's how it makes its money with the ads. So the shorter videos, the 30 seconds, the 15 seconds, they're not really for YouTube. It wants stuff that's going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, two hours, because it can fit the ads into them. So it's always worth considering the content and the length of content and the platform on which you're going to put it on. The shorter content, the, the 10, 15 seconds, you're talking TikTok, you're talking Instagram, you're talking Facebook Reels. And we've not really mentioned Facebook Reels, actually, during this too much. Because um, most people, when they think about Facebook, they think about Facebook Live or Facebook Posts. But Facebook Reels is a separate thing. And Facebook Reels is basically Instagram Reels on Facebook. Instagram loves Reels because it gets a lot of people watching a lot of them in a short space of time because you can basically just flick through them and watch and watch and watch and get absorbed with it. Facebook has a much bigger audience than Instagram, so it brought Facebook, it brought Instagram Reels to Facebook. Um, when was it? 2020, I think that happened. And the level of exposure you can get on a Facebook Reel compared to an Instagram Reel is exponential. Exponential. It's comparable with TikTok. So, for example, I've got one on uh, Instagram Reel, a short clip, which is, I think it's like 40, 40 seconds, 45 seconds. Uh, it's got about a 1,000 views on Instagram Reels. On Facebook Reels, it's half a million. Huge difference. So the short-form content is important in the right place, whereas your long-form content has its place elsewhere. YouTube is all about the long-form because of the advertising. Short-form is your TikTok, your Instagram, your Facebook Reels. Um, you mentioned subtitles. I wasn't quite sure of the question regarding the subtitles, but it is something I will address because I think it's important. Everything that you put out in terms of video should have subtitles. Everything. Because the vast majority of people watching video do so on the smartphone, and they do so with the sound off. So if you're trying to explain something on a video and it doesn't have subtitles, all people are seeing is your lips moving and no audio coming out. It should always have subtitles. And don't rely on Facebook's auto-captioning, because Facebook's auto-captioning is rubbish. It's terrible for voice recognition. Uh, it seems to be attuned to an American accent. It can't pick up the British accent at all. Um, YouTube is much better. It's almost perfect. Facebook's terrible. So whenever we put content out on Facebook that's video-based, we will put our own captions within it, digitally put on. Um, and we use Adobe Premiere ourselves for that. If you're Mac-based, you could use Final Cut Pro, or there are other types of cheaper software or free software that could probably do that as well. But it's always, always worth putting the captions on. Otherwise, people are just not going to know what you're saying. There's a great app called Captions, which has a, a very high 
success rate in converting your speech uh, into captions, and then you can then edit it. So if it mishears a word, it's very easy to edit it before you publish. Excellent, excellent. TikTok's got it as well. I've got auto captioning. TikTok's pretty accurate. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Omar, did that sort of give you an overview, or was that a masterclass in in uh, in, tick, in, in sorry in YouTube? It was, it was. I loved it. It, it was spot on, Darren. The the, yeah, the, the thing you mentioned about the captions and subtitles, that's exactly what it was aimed for. And sometimes people can, can't have the audio on or they can't have their headphones on. So they, they're just flicking through videos. They just yeah. they know what the content is about. So, yeah, thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you. Brilliant. So, Darren, we'll go back to Julie's question. Unless uh, Mark wants to come in, Mark uh, Lloyd or Mark Finance. That's okay. Yeah, Mark. No, I'm all good. Thanks. Good. Good to see you. Um, so yeah, we'll go back to Julie's question. So over the next nine minutes, could you give us some comedy? Cheer, cheer up the people and... Give you some... Come on, son. <laughs> that, You've got to tell us something, you know? So where, where, do you, where do you perform? Come my on, my comedy is not fit for twenty past eight in the morning. That's for sure. Oh, okay, that tells us everything. Thank it you. does. It does. <laughs> but it is. It is on my uh, my podcast, on the Engaging Marketeer podcast. It, uh, the whole comedy routine that I perform, fifty minute routine, is available on a podcast for you to listen to. Brilliant. And if you want to put the link up, we're happy to, for you to put the link up. Uh, or if you tell me what the link is, I'll, I can do it. What's the podcast? I, I can't multitask and put a link in and talk no, at the same no time. I, no. uh, what, what's, the, what's the podcast called? podcast is The Engaging Marketeer, and it's on iTunes, Audible, Spotify, um, YouTube, every, everywhere where good podcasts can be found. Great. And how did you get into um, entertaining people and <laughs> making them happier? I'm not sure I made them happier, um, but I... I it was um, a charity event for uh, a charity that we, we work with uh, called Wirral Mencap, uh, which is Adults with Learning Difficulties. And their biggest charity event of the year, each year, uh, until COVID, obviously, uh, was they would do a comedy night. Uh, in, in, the, in, the, yeah, in the autumn, they do a comedy night um, at Prenton Park, which is the home of Tranmere Rovers Football Club, where they would get six or seven victims who would volunteer to do write and perform their own stand-up comedy and raise money for charity. And they'd fill the room with a couple of hundred people who'd pay for the tickets, and they'd buy loads of drinks, and they'd pay to vote on who they thought was the best comedian. Um, and I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. I've always found myself as a bit of a comedian. I was always like that in school. Um, I entered a speech competition in school once when I wrote a speech about Margaret Thatcher, which was based on my knowledge of Margaret Thatcher from Spitting Image, so it probably wasn't very satirical. Uh, but I, I won in the class and got to perform it on the stage in front of the whole school, all like three or four years of this school. And, and I thought that was the best thing I'd ever done, and, and I, I wanted more of that. So I wanted to get back to that stage of being a performer and doing comedy. So I jumped at the chance to enter this and write write comedy. And, and I didn't write jokes, I didn't write puns, because I don't like the whole the whole puns and the one-liner thing. I did it all story-based and situation-based about stuff that had gone horrifically wrong and stuff that just pissed me off, basically. Um, and it was meant to be a five-minute routine, but I eked it out to 15 minutes, and that was a nice tight 15 minutes. I did the whole thing um, unprompted, no script, because some of the other guys had bits of paper with them with their notes on. Uh, but I, 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 
I, I slayed it basically. I'm going to be honest. I absolutely slayed it, and, and and I won. I won the event. So, and it was part of the Liverpool Comedy Festival. So I am officially, as I like to say, a Liverpool Comedy Festival winner. I didn't win the Liverpool Comedy Festival. I am a Liverpool Comedy Festival winner. Take that any way that you want. Um, and I raised just over a thousand pounds for Wirral Men Cup as well, which was you know a, a side issue. It was mainly. It was all about me. Mainly, it was all about me and 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 basically being funny and being disgusting and swearing on stage. Uh, but yes, it's on the podcast, The Engaging Marketeer. Feel free to check it out. I think it's episode five or six, uh, so it's one of the very early ones. Um, and it's 15 minutes, the whole routine from start to finish, and it, there's a lot of swearing in it, so don't play it when there's kids around, whatever you do. Brilliant. And uh, tell, tell, us a little bit, tell us a little bit about your Transformer collection. <laughs> Sorry, tell us about your Transformer collection. Oh, okay. <laughs> the link's at the top as well, Craig, uh, Darren. So yeah. thank you, Craig, for doing that. Yeah. Go for it, Darren. I, 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 well, I'm sure people are familiar with what Transformers are, you know, the plastic transforming robots. I, I've been collecting them since 1984. And I, I have, let's just say, a few. A few. I, I came back from Orlando with a few more as well, and uh, wasn't Leanne, that the my, cause of your first divorce, Darren? It, it, it wasn't, but it might be the cause of my second one. It might be the cause <laughs> of the second one. Leanne told me when the house is full, either I go or they go. Um, and let's just say the house is getting very full. I've started to spread stuff into the office. Uh, there's stuff hidden in the loft that Leanne doesn't know about. I hope she's not listening to this right now. Um, the, the cabin I've got in the garden is is full. Uh, I, I, I'm looking for storage space. I'm looking for options to, to put stuff somewhere else. Um, so if anyone's got any ideas, any sort of loft conversions that you can do without your wife noticing, um, or, or extensions that are possible that are not visible, uh, maybe dig down into a cellar perhaps to create more storage room without the wife noticing, then I'd be open to ideas. What about a lockable loft in one of your buy-to-lets? Oh, oh, do you know, I had stuff in a, yeah, I had stuff in a buy to let. It wasn't lockable, unfortunately, because I didn't think of that. Um, I had a life-size Michael Jackson cutout, uh, don't laugh, uh, from the history tour. It was the one where he was stood as a stone statue, uh, and it, it, it vanished. I dread to think what happened to that. And there was a load of Star Wars 12-inch dolls in there as well that also vanished. Um, but the tenants that were in there, they, they took stuff that wasn't in the loft as well. So the bad tenants bad letting agent but it was my fault i shouldn't have left it in there but you're right a lockable loft might have been the answer um but yeah, I, I i after that experience i wouldn't trust even a lockable loft now so yeah i genuinely did lose some stuff from that my fault mate she's just trying to save your um your marriage and i, I think i think it was a quick tip that was it was it was it was a quick tip it, yeah it, it's a road i've been down not lockable but a road i've been down but yeah yeah yeah, you could disguise it as um, a holiday let, couldn't you? That needs lockable areas for all the cleaning products, but for some reason yours needs a lot more. That is some, actually, that's not... You know, when we get our villa, um, we are going to have a lockable area to put stuff out there. So, yeah, I, I could create a lockable area within a lockable area. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> so why don't you create a museum of uh, plastic transforming robots and then people will pay to see your collection if you've got that many? If you saw my house, you'd realise that's kind of what I've already got. They're just not paying to see it. Um, 
you know, my mate's got a house and he's got two young kids. The youngest is five and he's got an upstairs loft in this house behind a door that's literally in the living room and his two kids don't know it's there. He's got uh, basically a a top floor to this house that is just full of toys, like a museum, and they've no idea it's there. And the door's right there. They think it's a cupboard. And I don't know how he's got away with it for this long. I really, really hats off to the guy. That is amazing. It'd be interesting to find out what happens when one day one of them clocks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it? I mean, if you found out that your parents had a hidden room in the house that you didn't even know was there, or a hidden floor, you wouldn't trust anything they said ever again, surely. True, but and there will be nothing more important than getting into it either, would there? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Not when they find out it's literally full of toys that he's hidden from them. Yeah. So, Darren, um, we've got a couple of minutes left. So, uh, Dave sort of covered the question earlier in terms of a few tips. Uh, Anything else you'd like to sort of leave um, leave our listeners with today uh, that they could probably do very quickly to to gain some um, some traction? I think one one thing that's that's probably a good thing to do is when you're looking to put stuff out on social media, it's very difficult to know what to write about um, or what to talk about, what to say. Uh, you get that blank page syndrome. What do I put on social media today? I know I need to be doing it. One thing I suggest that people do when we run our, our social media and content workshops here at Engage Web is something called Google Alerts. Now, the best way to find this is to literally Google Google Alerts, and you can sign up for news alerts for specific keywords within your industry. So if you Google Google Alerts, uh, put your email address in, sign up to your Google account, and create alerts on things that are related to what you do, so it could be mortgage rates, it could be property development, it could be property disasters, whatever it may be. Google will literally email you when a story breaks. So you'll be first to know. So you can have it as a summary every day, you can have it as a summary every week, or you can have it instant. Uh, and you'll get that in your inbox that this has just happened, these news agencies, these outlets are talking about it now. That way you'll know what's going on, you'll know what's relevant, you'll know what's trending, and you're able to jump on it uh, to do what Rob Moore talks about in newsjacking. So you can be talking about the stuff that's happening right now. And that's a great way to get around the whole blank page syndrome. What do I talk about today? I've got to do a live post, or I've got to do a social media post, or I've got to write a blog, and I've got no ideas. Let Google tell you what's going on. And that's free to do. Just sign up to Google Alerts and put in stuff that's related to your industry. Have a play about with it. I've got one on my own name, for example, just in case anybody starts talking about me. Uh, that's also worth doing. Uh, particularly in your brand name as well. So if you've got a business that people talk about, it's worth putting your brand name in so you can find out when it's being mentioned online. Unfortunately, there's a Scottish footballer with my name and my spelling. Uh, so for the last few years, he's been cropping up quite a lot, rather annoyingly. But he's close to retirement now, so hopefully he'll go away again because short career as a footballer. But that's definitely one tip I would suggest to use. Use Google Alerts. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Darren, and thank you for this morning. Um, you said about short-lived careers uh, and that sort of prompted me to your previous statement that you wrote about Margaret Thatcher who had a fantastic career but uh, probably brings me on to our current Prime Minister uh, any any comments or any uh, wait well, it, on it, it, it's half eight now so I know who's our current <laughs> Prime Minister now 
Okay. Yeah, our, our current Prime Minister Jeremy Hunt. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, he's um, no, she's a simpleton. I, I, do, I do not understand how they've picked the worst possible person for the job. I, I think they're trolling us. I think they are trolling us now. I, any any minute now, she's going to rip off her mask, and Jeremy Beadle's going to be there, and it's going to be one big prank. It, it's got to be, it has to be. Amazing. You've been such a, a joy to speak to this morning, Darren. Oh, I know I've had. Um, numerous conversations with you about websites or you know we've been on training where you've been doing the training and and I've really enjoyed those but you know we're seeing a different side and you know that there's so much value that you've given our audience I've had personal messages in the background saying thank you to you um, so we'd really love you to join us again uh, maybe talk about letting agents because I think mm-hmm. you've had some experiences there um you, you know some other topics that you may wish to talk about so yeah let me know and we could we could put those in uh and you're always welcome here every single morning if you could if you <laughs> if you wish to you know sort of join in and listen and yeah contribute so thank you again um anything from anybody else in closing yeah just want to say thanks darren great uh, great to see you this morning we're definitely overdue a coffee, so I'll, I'll reach out and we'll uh, we'll have a catch-up at some point soon. All right, thanks, Dave. Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Darren, and I'll see you at the next ETM. I shall see you at the next ETM, Julie. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Darren. You were on my mind to contact this week, having just got back from holiday, so it's obviously great timing. We'll catch up <laughs> offline. <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. Thank you very much, Trish. Thanks. Brilliant. Anthony, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Darren. Great, um, yeah, great content. Thanks very much. All right, thanks, Anthony. Yeah, if ever you're in Wales, pop in to see Anthony there or, or Mark Finance. You know, there. Yeah, they're, Anthony they're, probably knows that letting agent I was talking about as well. I, I probably <laughs> do, actually. I can probably think who it might be. <laughs> yes, they've got offices in Cumbrian and Newport. Okay, brilliant. So thanks for everything again, Darren. We'll catch up soon. And um, oh, just one, one last thing. Yes. If anybody did, did want to reach out to Darren to check out any of the stuff that he does, what what's the best way of contacting you, Darren? Oh, thanks. Um, obviously, the podcast, Engaging Marketeer, which Sunil's put the link on. Uh, you can go to engageweb.co.uk or you can follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all at EngageWeb. Yeah, alternative. Thanks, Thank you, Dave. Brilliant question. Darren, do you have a link tree that uh, puts all of them all together in one point? Do you know, I, I, I don't. If, if you Google Engage Web, we own the page. So it, it's the easiest way. Stick Engage Web into Google because we make sure that that's our brand. So I'm, I'm just going to change the link at the top very quickly and leave it there for a little while before we close the room. But if anybody wants to get hold of Darren, reach out to me uh, and I can put you in contact as well. Like all our guest speakers, you know, we appreciate them spending their time for free and um, coming on here. And I think, you know, there's a lot of credibility here because a lot of people have used your services, Darren. So that that says a lot because, you know, I didn't know that you and Dave were connected or (laughs) knew each other. So for me... Uh, To be honest, Sonil, I'd forgotten until this morning. I met Darren through Progressive and he was doing one of the trainings and I, you know, I just warmed to him and I, I reached out to him and said, look, I'm, I'm looking to do, to do this. But again, it endorses 
when people like yourself, Dave uh, and Julie, and any some of our people that I spend a lot of time with on here uh, are using the same services. Um, so yeah, reach out to Darren if you've got any questions. As, as Julie said right at the beginning, got a fantastic team, uh, and they really helped us as well to to move our business forward. So okay, brilliant. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Mark Lloyd is on here tomorrow morning, seven thirty, talking about property. Uh, focus and project focus. If you've got a pro project that you're looking at or you want some input, uh, please, you know, please feel free to come up to the stage tomorrow morning and, and share that because it's, it's fantastic that we get uh, people uh, from the audience talking about their current projects. So have a brilliant day and we'll catch everybody soon. Thanks, Darren. See you soon. Take Thank you very much, Sonal. Well. Thank you.